Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Running Podcast with me, Lee Bradbury. This is the place where we cover everything from injury prevention and strength training, all the way through to how to just become a better runner and avoid the risk of injury and therefore run pain-free. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Pain-Free Running Podcast. Uh, Today we're going to start a little bit of a new segment so alongside the kind of longer episodes um, that are sort of, you know, 40, 50 minutes long where we tend to get guests on and things like that, I'm now going to introduce some uh, some sort of shorter segments that are focusing on just quick tips uh, and advice to help you with your running, whether that's training related, injury prevention related, strength training, all that good stuff. So we might as well kick straight off with it. The first episode, um, what we're going to look at today is... Uh, some ways to build endurance, so some simple concepts on how to build endurance, uh, and then just a quick chat on uh, why you should include an off-season in your training. So endurance, obviously, that's kind of the the sort of the main term that a lot of people know uh, and, and understand when it comes to running. To be better at running, we need good endurance. We need to be able to run for long periods of time uh, and obviously being able to maintain um, sort of faster paces for longer periods of time to help us get better times on our on our races. Um, so all I want to talk about is just a few simple ways to improve that endurance. Um, and we've got to remember that for a lot of people, their limiting factor is their endurance. So these workouts are quite important to, to make sure you have within your training. A lot of people think that just running faster frequently is going to be the best way to make them run faster overall however uh, a lot of people tend to struggle to hold certain paces for a longer period of time which shows that they have a lack of endurance or speed endurance so that's what we're going to focus on being able to develop today so just going to go through three different methods Um, the first one is super straightforward all you're looking at doing is increasing your weekly mileage all right so I've talked about this previously in terms of making sure we do that gradually But as a kind of low-hanging fruit option to improve our endurance, we want to improve our total volume of running, whether that's going from five miles in one week to six miles the week after, whether that's going from 30 miles one week to 40 miles the week after. It doesn't matter on your ability. Increasing your uh, training volume or your weekly mileage is a simple way to improve endurance because the more time we spend running, the more adaptation we're going to get from the heart and lungs, increasing things like capillary density, so the easier transfer of blood to the working muscles, mitochondrial density and recruitment, so they're the powerhouses that keep turning over energy more efficiently. So we're going to be able to improve endurance just by simply running more. Now, the key thing with that is that we don't want to just focus on keep running more at higher intensities or higher speeds. The majority of this increase in training volume should come from easy runs. Uh, so that conversational pace, again, that's something that I talk about quite regularly. Um, so we want to make sure that you know majority of our training, at least sort of 70% of our running, comes from that easy conversational pace. So when we're looking at increasing that weekly mileage, um, again, most of that increase should come from increasing those easy runs so again if you're running sort of three four times a week you know two or three of those should be relatively comfortable runs and let's say at the moment you're averaging three miles for each one of those the following week you might increase two of those runs by four miles so they're still easy runs you've just increased a couple of them by a mile each therefore you've had a two mile increase for the week 
um, and that will help improve endurance uh, over time. So again, over a sort of an eight week training block of building that base foundation, you may get to the point where you're running six, seven miles at that easy pace and increase your, your weekly mileage between 10 and 20 miles. All right. Again, depends on ability will determine how quickly you increase. Uh, and I've talked about that in the, my most recent article on uh, sort of running for beginners, everything you need to know. And I'll touch on that again uh, this weekend for uh, more sort of intermediate slash advanced runners. So improving overall volume is the first easiest step to increasing that endurance. Number two is the long run. So again, no matter what discipline you are training for, whether that's 5k all the way through to ultra marathons, you need to be incorporating a long run into your training. So obviously people who train for marathons, ultra runs and stuff like that, long run is kind of a staple in the training program. But for a lot of people who tend to run 5Ks, 10Ks, things like that, it doesn't seem to be as common that they incorporate a long run into their training. And this should ideally be happening at least every other week, if not every week. Um, and obviously, again, just like we talked about in point number one, gradually increasing the distance of that long run. So again, this is going to help build just pure endurance or ability to hold uh, that pace for longer periods of time by going for longer distances, especially on the shorter disciplines, longer distances that you're going to need to run. Um, it'll help with mental toughness. So again, as you start to fatigue, being able to continue running and maintaining certain output, um, especially for the longer disciplines or sort of half marathon, marathon and ultra, it's a good chance for you as well to practice your nutrition strategies because that is going to be one of the big limiting factors on race day for those uh, longer distances is making sure you get your fueling correct. So uh, the long run, like I said, it is just as important regardless of how long your, your race discipline actually is. Um, so, you know, in terms of sort of short disciplines like a 5K, you want to be ideally building up to at least a five or six mile long run um, if you're a beginner or eight to nine miles if you're a bit more of an intermediate. Um, so, you know, kind of just before a couple of weeks out from your race day or your time trial, you want to be hitting those distances as your uh, your sort of final long run. If you're looking at the 10K disciplines, 10 to 11 miles is a good place to aim for as a beginner. Uh, and 15 to 16 miles is a good place to aim for if you're a bit more ed, sort of intermediate slash advanced. So again, building up way more than what you need to for your actual race distance is going to give you huge amount of endurance and capacity to then really work on building that speed on those shorter um, races and obviously those tempo runs, those intervals, things like that. It's going to allow you to recover quicker between those intervals. It's going to give you a lot more resiliency in the legs. It's going to get used to kind of being a bit more uncomfortable for longer periods of time, which is only going to serve you well for those shorter runs. So the long run, uh, again, should be a staple regardless of your discipline. Um, with the aim of these two points, so increasing overall volume and adding in a long run and gradually increasing that long run, which obviously serves point number one in terms of increasing that volume as well. The whole point of those in terms of the main adaptation we're looking for is to reduce the buildup of lactate in the blood. So um, obviously, as we run faster and faster, we start to become more anaerobic in nature, and we start to increase the production of uh, lactate as a waste product within the body. So lactate when we're running at slower paces can be recycled into energy and it doesn't sit in the blood and doesn't cause that burning sensation or that fatigue that we all know and love, especially when we're doing things like hill sprints and, and intervals. Um, so the first two uh, training methods I've just talked about there, 
the aim is to minimize that production in the first place, i.e. staying more aerobic even as we start to get faster and faster. So we're kind of increasing our speed gradually, but still keeping it predominantly aerobic so that that blood lactate doesn't start to build up to the point where it becomes a hindrance on our performance. They're the two easiest and kind of least riskiest in terms of injury risk and all that sort of stuff. So they should be the first two methods that you're looking at, all right, especially as an intermediate runner, which I'm going to talk about in, like I said, this weekend's article. You have a, a huge capacity to improve your aerobic endurance and obviously your overall uh, speed endurance as well. And that's by accumulating some decent training volume. Like I said, you know, if you're kind of a, a marathon runner, ultra marathon runner, uh, and you're not sort of hitting 40, 50, 60 miles per week regularly, you're missing out on some endurance benefits straight away. Um, you don't need to be worrying about banging in loads of speed work and higher intensity stuff, which increases the risk of injury. If you're not accumulating 400, 600 hours a year of decent low intensity aerobic fitness. Now, the third method then we're looking at now is the first two were minimizing the production of that blood lactate. However, especially as we start to go longer, there is going to be a point where that blood lactate starts to build up to levels that are a little bit sort of uh, fatigue inducing and causing that little bit of uh, heaviness in the legs and things like that. So the last method we're going to look at in terms of improving endurance, the main focus we're looking for here now is to increase the efficiency of us being able to clear that away. So it's building up, building up, but we're getting that body to be more efficient at clearing it away and getting it out of the blood as quickly as possible to, again, minimize that instance of fatigue. So the third method to build endurance is our lactate threshold training or our tempo runs. So that's where we're running at a sustained effort that's just below that threshold, just below that point where that lactate builds up too much that we can't get rid of it anymore and it starts to cause us to slow down. So for most people, I like to just use it as a sort of a level of RPE or just a kind of go off feel. So uh, typically kind of a seven or eight out of 10 in terms of difficulty is what you should be looking for as the RPE or comfortably hard. So it feels tough, you're breathing heavily, but you're able to maintain it. Okay, it doesn't drop off very quickly. If you're kind of going out for sort of a five, six mile tempo run, and after the first mile or so, you're already starting to see that reduction in speed, then you're going too fast to be classed as a tempo run. All right. Typically, for most runners, it's kind of a pace you can maintain for at least an hour. All right. Depending on your ability, intermediate advance, maybe be able to maintain that, that sort of tempo pace, but kind of more like half marathon distance. Even if they're not running at half marathon, they would be able to maintain that tempo pace. Um, but typically it's an hour. So again, when you're going out for those tempo runs, you should feel like you could maintain that pace, like I said, for around sort of 50 to 60 minutes. Okay. And as I said, that's going to allow us to become much more efficient at clearing that blood lactate out of the system. But because we're working at higher intensities, higher speeds, obviously there's a little bit more risk of injury. So for most runners, especially beginners, recreational runners, a tempo run only needs to be once per week or even once every other week. All right, kind of once every 10 days to 14 days is more than enough to elicit some adaptation alongside the other two methods that we just spoke about, i.e. predominantly staying at easy conversational pace and increasing those distances of those runs and obviously incorporating a long run and increasing the distance of that to increase that weekly volume. 
So unless you're kind of like, say, the top end of your sport, then you don't need to be worrying about hammering yourself to death on the tempo efforts and the faster efforts uh, unless you've truly maximized your endurance, which, like I said, for a lot of runners, if they aren't hitting those real high levels of, of hours per year, as I said, 400 to 600 as a kind of minimum, then there's still more you can get from your endurance before you need to worry about that speed work. And that's it. So three simple ways to improve endurance, improve run performance. Um, like I said, you probably are incorporating some of it into your trainer already. Um, but again, it doesn't need to be more complex than that. Um, also remember to keep on top of your strength training alongside that, because again, that's going to help improve your ability to withstand that increase in volume as well. Obviously, as we increase volume, it's going to place more demand on our soft tissues, our ligaments, tendons, joints, things like that. So strength training is going to be a way to offset that kind of uh, increase in impact forces and duration that we're dealing with those impact forces. Um, so again, make sure you're keeping your strength training at least a couple of times a week. Um, and yeah, just increase gradually over time. Like I've talked about, you can use things like the 10% rule as a guide, all right, i.e. increasing your weekly mileage by 10% per week. Again, some of you might be slightly lower than that, kind of 5 to 7% per week. Some of you may be more, all right? You know your body. You know how you feel day to day. If you start to kind of feel much more fatigued than normal, much more tired than normal, then that might be a sign that you're increasing your mileage too quickly, all right? If you start to feel niggles start coming through and you are doing your mobility and your strength work, again, it's a sign that you may be increasing your mileage a little bit too quickly. So just ease it off and just kind of find that sweet spot of how much you increase per week using, like I said, levels of energy, fatigue and soreness as a guide to help you go. Because everyone's different. There's no kind of set number that we need to be uh, trying to follow. So hopefully that gives you some good ideas of building endurance. As I said, what we're going to move on to now then is talking about off-season. So I put a, a poll out recently on Instagram um, talking about whether or not you include uh, an off-season in your training. Um, and obviously, as I suspected, there was uh, a huge amount uh, leaning towards the no. So I think it ended up being almost 70% of people don't include an off-season within their training. And what I'm about to say, you know, is is my own personal opinion. It's not like, uh, you know, sort of set in stone. And equally, if you find that you can run year upon year without any real breaks or anything like that, crack on with that. You do you. Uh, if it works for you, great. However, from my experience of coaching a lot of runners, um, a lot of them tend to suffer with lack of motivation, burnout, obviously injuries, things like that, which accumulate from doing too many races, too much training, too much higher intensity running, not enough recovery, uh, and not adhering to gradual increases in volume like I spoke about uh, just before with the ways to build endurance. So an off-season is a great way to focus on something else, still build fitness, but without the sort of the high-impact nature of running. Give yourself a little bit of a mental break from always worrying about getting outside for a run. And also give you a, a body a physical break to allow it to recover, which for a lot of people, a little bit of recovery allows them to come back a lot fitter and stronger than they think. They think, all right, I've not run for a couple of weeks. You go out and try a little bit of a time trial after a couple of weeks off. And most of the time, 
especially if you've been continually moving and doing cross training in that in that period, you'll probably feel better than you felt in a long period of time. Because remember, the whole point of training is to induce stimulus fatigue over time. Our body adapts to that fatigue and comes back fitter and stronger. But remember, there's a finite point to where that becomes a negative, i.e. we're doing too much training, we're not recovering in time, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice and potentially uh, going backwards in terms of our performance. So an off season is a great time to allow the body to just have a little bit of rest mentally and physically uh, and just step away from running. Now, for me, the off season, a great time to do that is uh, is around sort of the, the back end of winter. Um, again, I know there are races around that time, especially in the ultra running community. You've got things like the uh, Cheviot Goats, the Spine, Spine Challenger, all that good stuff. So, you know, your off season may be in the summer. Uh, which I, I know, again, is a little bit challenging because that can potentially be prime time to get out running because um, it's nice weather and all that good stuff. Again, you've got to figure out what works best for you in terms of that time off. And in terms of duration, I'm not talking about months and months, you know, even just two to four weeks of doing something different could have a big impact on your overall recovery and performance. Um, so I know for me, for example, when I finished the, the Spine Challenger in uh, 2019, I took a full month off from running. So I was still doing mobility work. I was still training in the gym three to four times per week uh, and just getting some good rest days, enjoying some food, things like that. And it just gave me a, a nice physical and mental break so that when I started training again in February, ready for my next race, which was the, the GU36, um, I felt kind of re-motivated, re-energized, you know, ready to start getting some consistency back up again. Whereas if I'd just gone straight into training after a few days of doing the challenger, I guarantee I would have likely increased the chance of me dropping off from consistency of running or potentially just sort of induced further and further fatigue, um, which again would have been a hindrance to my long-term training. So this is the other thing you've got to think about is that on off-season is thinking big picture. It's not just thinking about oh my God, I've not run for two weeks. I've lost everything that I've built. You're thinking big picture, all right? Like I said, and chances are you'll lose barely any fitness, all right? Like I said, you potentially even come back stronger. Um, and, and the mental break. Uh, so again, uh, me and Jane, we got to a point after we'd done a couple of races um, in 2019, it was at the end of this G36, we were kind of, we got to that point where we'd signed up for the Lakeland 50 a couple of months later and we, we just didn't want to do it. So, you know, sometimes it's a good way just to take a, a step back and not be overwhelmed by the calendar that you've got coming up for the year or uh, just another way to go, do you know what? I'm going to give myself a brief period of time where I don't have to stress out about training and races, which obviously for the mental aspect is quite liberating, which remember is a stress on the body and can affect recovery as well. You know, you don't want to be constantly mentally stressed as well as physically, because again, it's a surefire way to sort of hinder performance gains. So yeah, so we just took, again, a little bit of a break from racing. So whilst it wasn't a proper off-season, it was just, you know what, we're going to have a few months now. We're not going to do anything now until kind of closer to winter. So an off-season is something to, to consider. Um, as I said, it's not just a time off completely of rest, okay? Um, it's a time where you can focus on other things, you know? If there's something else you've ever wanted to do, whether it's just get a bit in, more into the gym, really address some of those strength imbalances, range of motion imbalances, learn a new skill, develop a new hobby, or just get outside and enjoy landscape, you know? Going out for some walks instead. There's lots of ways that you can incorporate that off-season into your training, hence why a lot of elite athletes and pro-athletes had that into there as well 
it's just a chance for you to then go take a step back, look forward to what you've coming up in, for the rest of the year uh, and, and just enjoy having a bit of a breather from training and that sort of the constant thing of I must go out and do this, must go out and do that. It's kind of just play around, do some bits here, do some bits there, enjoy a little bit of chaos as it were um, and a little bit of freedom to do what you want whilst still keeping yourself moving and ticking over, ready to then hit the training hard after you've had that off-season. So something to think about. Um, and again, I personally would recommend, you know, incorporating that some point in the year. Um, as I said, depending on your race calendar, will obviously determine when you when you put it in. Like so the reason I suggested kind of winter time or late winter, that's when it's obviously dark, cold, wet, things like that. So the hardest time to be disciplined uh, and keeping that consistency going. So it's a logical time to go take away that stress and go, let's just do some other bits and pieces for a few weeks. And then once the weather starts to get a bit better, it starts to get a bit lighter, then I can get back to my running. So yeah, something to think about. Um, let me know what you think. All right. Let me know if you do incorporate an off season. Let me know if you've got any questions on the three ways to build endurance. Remember, if you sign up to my newsletter, you get the prehab for runners free ebook and the 21 tips to successful running ebook as well. Um, this weekend I'll be uh, releasing a new article, which will be, um, uh, running for intermediates, everything you need to know. So building upon the last week's article, which was running for beginners. So in there, we're going to talk about, again, a bit more on footwear, a little bit more in detail now, uh, some some great options for training workouts, touching on some of the stuff I talked about with it, building it endurance uh, and stuff like race strategy and fueling strategies. So yeah, so keep your eye out for that at the weekend. And I'll also have my next strength and conditioning runners video dropping this week as well, which we're going to look at the single leg squat or the pistol squat. All right. So keep training, keep staying injury free. All right, and get in touch if you need any help at all, guys.